Good morning to all have, who have gathered to worship this morning, whether we're here together to, uh, in person or online, uh, welcome. We uh, are, are glad you're here. The seasons are changing. Spring is coming soon, yay, for some of us, except Mike Glick. Um, and God is with us. God is with us in all seasons whether it's the physical seasons of nature or other seasons of our life, God is always with us and is always worthy of our praise. And so we gather together, his people, to worship and praise our maker. So I ask you to stand and join us as we sing to our God.
Uh, share a Christian greeting with one another, give a little wave to everybody and uh, to those at home or wherever they're visiting from, and then have a seat. morning. Wintertime is cold but bright, bright sunshine. Um, it's one of those times of year that you've got to wear sunglasses because you get the reflection from the, uh, from the snow so much. So it's very different and it's cold but uh, sun's out. Um, Sunday, March 7th, uh, coming up in a couple weeks, we will be having communion in the pews. Uh, we will not be having our love feast um, after the worship service, but communion in the pews, and we will be having Sunday school uh, that day. So that'll be coming up uh, again March 7th. The uh, Click Club is uh, doing college care packages. Uh, they're look, planning to do that on March 10th, be a Wednesday night when they meet, and uh, they're looking for donations from the congregation. Uh, if you do have some potential donations, uh, they can be placed under the mailboxes or on the uh, workroom counter down by the office by the 10th. 
Um, some items that could be possibilities, uh, ramen noodles, granola bars, fruit snacks, hot chocolate packets, popcorn, oatmeal, and, and any other snacks that uh, you might think of or run across in the grocery store. Um, so please label any donations Click Club. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to contact the uh, Click Club sponsor uh, with, with those questions uh, in any way. Uh, some prayers for our congregation um, and also some praises. Um, Art Martin's surgery went well this past Monday. Uh, he was actually able to come home the next day on Tuesday, uh, continue to pray for recovery and healing for him. Gloria Yoder's mother, uh, Edna Fry, passed away on Tuesday in Goshen. Uh, private family services were held yesterday uh, with burial at uh, Eden Cemetery in Topeka. Uh, but pray for family uh, during this time of mourning. Yeah. Cindy Lehman's uncle, Charlie Moorhead, passed away unexpectedly February 12th, be, uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, prayers would uh, continue to be appreciated for the family uh, during, during this time. Ethel Hoffman uh, has been experiencing some weakness uh, the past couple of days. Uh, we continue to lift her up and Keith in prayers, uh, praying for strength, um, improve for, for her and, and for him as well uh, in this time. Uh, Russ Roop's father, Lowell Roop, uh, passed away yesterday morning in Florida uh, following complications from surgery that he had had this past week. Uh, family was able to be with him uh, either in person or virtually, uh, but uh, please pray for for Russ and Rita and the entire family uh, during this time as well. Uh, Rhonda Swoveland's daughter, uh, Victoria, um, has a father that passed away, Antonio passed away this past week. Uh, so praying for them um, with services coming up this next week, uh, praying for comfort in, in that uh, process. Um, also got uh, just some information this morning, Ken Beachy, uh, is heading to the ER right now with uh, some bleeding uh, that he's had. Um, just praying for, for healing to be done with that, um, that that can be rectified, can be uh, corrected, and, and not having to deal with that on a, you know, on a regular basis. It, it has popped up at different times um, with, with some scenarios like that. So pray for Ann and Ken as they continue to work their way through a dialysis and, and other things. Um, yeah, just, just pray for them and, and peace of mind, but also healing and, uh, and health-wise. Let's go to prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you um, in the middle of beautiful weather, bright sunshine, but, but also, Lord, there's, there's snow, there's danger, there's slipperiness. Lord, there's, there's just different things that occur each and every day in our lives, whether that's weather, whether that's health, um, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever that may be, Lord, we always are called to look to you for leading, for comfort, um, Lord, for your love, for your mercy, and your grace that you provide um, each and every day. Lord, we thank you for the healing that, that you have provided for Art, 
We thank you for surgery that was able to be done successfully. Lord, we continue to pray for healing. We thank you for being with Ethel and Keith each and every day. Lord, just continue to ask for strength and power in your presence to be felt by them. Um, Lord, just be near them. Lord, be with Ken right now as he's working with the doctors. The directors are working with him. Lord, we just ask for healing and uh, a, an opportunity for, for peace of mind that uh, things can progress. Lord, will we come to you with heavy hearts where there has been loss. We lift up the family of Edna Fry. Lord, just be with Gloria and Daryl and their family as they mourn the loss. Lord, with Cindy Lehman, Charlie Moorhead, her uncle, and their family. Just be with them in a, a powerful and a comforting manner. May they feel your strength. Be with Russ and Rita as they mourn the loss of Russ's father. Lord, again, would just be with their family. May, may that bond that they've had for many years just continue to be strengthened with you as the center and the focus of all those relationships. Be with Rhonda as she continues to minister and, and work with family um, in the passing of Antonio. Lord, uh, there, there's so many different ways that we're, we're affected, whether it's directly, whether we, we have loved ones that are going through loss. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us caring hearts to know words of comfort, but also, Lord, just a presence of comfort that we can provide, um, presence of support and love. Lord, as we come to you today, we thank you for being with us each step of the way. We ask for forgiveness where our hearts can become focused on other things besides you. And it is so easy. Lord, just uh, give us hearts of love and mercy. Um, where there's conflict, help us to be wise in how we are led to, to speak. Um, not to speak timidly, but to speak boldly, but with love and honor for those around us and, and honoring of you. Lord, be with Wes today as he brings us the message as we enter into the season of Lent. Lord, there was many days that uh, you suffered. You sacrificed for us. Lord, may that be an example for us to sacrifice for one another and to lay down a sacrifice for you for your kingdom, for your call in our life each and every day. 
Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that the Click Club has to reach out and to um, provide care packages. Lord, bless them as they do that preparation. Bless them as they fellowship together during that time. Be with our youth. Be with our MYF as they are today finishing up a, a retreat opportunity and time together. Lord, continue to work through the hearts and lives of our young people. Energize them. And Lord, energize all of us to continue to seek your will, your way, and your truth. Lord, we just ask you to accept our worship, open our hearts to hear you clearly in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Sinju. That was beautiful. For scripture today, uh, there's two 
sections I'd like to read from. Uh, first would be from John 16, verses 16 through 24, and then also Psalm 30, 1 through 12, would be all of Psalm 30. So starting with John 16, verses 16 through 24. In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a while you will see me? And because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, what does this mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. And then Psalm 30. This will be a psalm of David. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. O Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. In these passages that were shared, you have a couple of, uh, of things going on that were parallel in both of them. 
The uncertainty that the disciples were experiencing uh, made a lot of sense. They didn't know what was going on entirely. And this isn't the only passage that, that showed that. They were, they were very uncertain about what Jesus was talking about. But we also see in the Psalm 30 passage the uncertainty of, of, of facing life situations and dealing with uh, the struggle of knowing what to do with what was happening in life and the challenges and the struggles that were there. There are many times in life that we have uncertainty about what we're going through or what the outcome is going to be. Sometimes it may be a common or a minor challenge, and other times it's very serious and a deep valley of suffering or danger. Now, I'm going to show you a few pictures uh, with some fear and trepidation, but uh, we're going to show a few slides here. And um, you'll notice in these slides that there are uh, a variety of different expressions. Let's go to the first one. Um, notice particularly where everyone's hands are in this picture. Um, you, will, you will notice that there seems to be a, a bit of a hanging on that is going on in these. Um, and if you go to the second picture... Uh, there's not a hanging on. <laughs> there is uh, quite a, a different uh, deal with the hands there. And then if you go to the third one, let's show the third one now too. These are roller coaster pictures. And before I get to the fourth one, let me just say a little bit about this. Roller coasters are similar sometimes to life. You have sometimes high speeds, you have twists, you have turns, you have valleys, and you have high points. Sometimes there are upside downs, and sometimes all arounds, and you can sometimes even get a little disoriented um, before you level out, if you will. Um, there also seems to be some degree of joy in the midst of the ride. Uh, that is significant, and we'll talk more about that. But finally, before we show the last picture, I want you to notice that um, one of the riders in this last picture is either a really grumpy roller coaster rider or really bored with the ride or mad that they weren't seated in the front car, <laughs> or about to have an unpleasant volcanic eruption. Um, and I want you to just take a look at this last one here. Can you pick out which rider and know none of the aliens count? I don't really know what I was doing in that picture. I don't know what was going on there. I was. I don't think I was bored, but I was uh, clearly not quite as enthusiastic as everyone else at the time of that particular picture. I'd maybe ridden so many rides that day that I was halfway dizzy going into the ride. I want to point this out because, look, I'm, I'm not gonna, this is not going to be a typical beginning of the Lent 
sermon, and I, I just want to confess that right now. I in no way, in no way, am intending to diminish the struggle, the sorrow, the loss, the grief that difficult times have. I don't make light of that. I don't want us to make light of what Jesus went through on our, for our sake. But I do want to give a different twist to this simply because I think we're missing something sometimes. And I will just say that I had a, a major debate a few years back, a number of years ago, quite a, quite a long time ago, with, uh, with a pastor who was adamant that you don't talk about the resurrection until you get to Easter. In fact, we would have a Good Friday service as a community service with the other churches, and you absolutely are not to talk about the joy coming in the morning until the morning comes. And I had some difficulty with that. I wrestled with that. I, I still do to some degree because we don't diminish or make it insignificant the pain that we go through in life. But the question is, what are we holding on to? Because we are many times in life holding on for dear life. And in a different way than on a roller coaster. It's real. It's painful. And it affects us not just physically, but emotionally and in every other way. And that's what Jesus was going through. So you can't diminish that. Tremendous sorrow. Tremendous persecution in every way. Even the abandonment of his disciples at, at this critical time. So we don't diminish that. And in the Lent season, we are called to reflect on the, the, the pain and the suffering that Jesus went through for us. But do we also notice something else? Not only in Jesus' case, let's, let's think about it. I just want to name a few. If you could picture Daniel in the lion's den, would have he shown fear? Would have he shown turmoil? What about the Israelites being chased by the Egyptian army? Probably, maybe a bit more, but not for Moses. Not for Moses. And then what about Joseph? Turned on by his own brothers, thrown into a well, spared his life by not just killing him first, but put him in the well because one older brother had grace and, and some degree of grace, you know, but left him to die. And then later he was imprisoned because he wouldn't act immorally in Egypt. And he's there in prison. Was he completely crushed, defeated? What about Shadmach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace? Do you think they went into the fiery furnace? Were they, did they show fear? They refused to bow. They didn't show fear. Stephen being stoned. 
Did it make him cringe? Did he, did he go, well, look, you know, I didn't mean any of that stuff I said. I'll back up. I'll take it back. I'll retract it. I'll renounce God. No. He was bold in proclaiming what needed to be proclaimed in the face of it. And what about Jesus? In the middle of his suffering, in the middle of his journey to the cross, he did not display fear. He did not display any kind of revenge. What he displayed was something that we should also look at. See, the problem is that we hold on to the wrong things when we're going through difficult struggles. And even when things are going well, we sometimes are holding on to the wrong things. There's a a misunderstanding of what joy is. Joy is not the the giddy, goofy, fun-loving happiness, if you will, because happiness depends on what happens to you, and joy is not dependent upon what happens to us. You know, waiting is one of the most difficult words in our language. For young and old, that word wait is not what we want to hear. We're used to things happening fast. We don't want to wait for anything or anyone. And often that includes God. You know, and when God does answer, we sometimes say, well, where have you been? And there is a waiting that's happening. And the disciples were struggling with that, that waiting as well. Isaiah 40, 31 says, and you know this, you could actually say it with me if you want to, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's a different kind of waiting. It's a waiting that has a sense of peace in knowing God's got this. He's going to, come through he always has sometimes our prayers are not answered overnight sometimes God's timing is not quite lined up with our timing and sometimes and quite often we end up seeing that that timing is even better than what we could have imagined and and so we can we come to an understanding later that we that we just didn't have at the time we were going through it because we were holding on to the wrong things. Look at Hebrews 12, 2, which says, Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. Now, listen to these next words. Who, for the joy that lay before him, endured the cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. In other words, while Jesus was going through the suffering, he was focused on and holding on to the things that that the Father had promised him. He was holding on to the the assurance of knowing that God had this. 
that God knew what was going to come of it. He knew what good things were going to come out of it. He knew that this was for a purpose. He knew that his sorrow, his suffering, and every lash that welted and or cut his back with a line of blood, every single lash was for a purpose so much greater that he was accomplishing. So when we talk about identifying with Jesus in his journey to the cross, I don't think it's so much about being gloomy and down as identifying with him in the ways that he was holding on to the hope and the promise and the assurance of what God was accomplishing for us that we couldn't accomplish for ourselves. Who for the joy that lay before him, that joy he, that lay before him was, was what we would receive because of what he was going through. Now let's look at the text here. In verse 20 of the text, it says, Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, Jesus says, while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And then in verse 24, Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Your joy will be complete. The the late Scottish preacher Alexander uh, White observed that we all tend to hang on, to hang heavy weights on the thinnest of wires, he said. He meant that we hang our happiness on the fragile things that easily and quickly can be taken from us. Health, spouses, children, jobs, homes, possessions. These are all good blessings from the Lord, but they're inadequate as a foundation for a lasting joy because they're all so uncertain and transitory. They come and they go, and, and, and sometimes way too soon, and sometimes very painfully, and sometimes we think it may not be fair, and we don't understand any purpose to it. While major loss is emotionally painful, it's crucial that we learn to work through such losses biblically, and in the way Jesus was working through his losses on the walk to the cross, because we're all going to face them. For example, some of us have the mistaken notion that because we believe in Jesus, we will protect, be protected from major suffering. When tragedy hits, they feel that God is abandoned. We feel God has abandoned us. Others uh, are taught to claim healing by faith. And when that doesn't work, they were told that they didn't have enough faith. I experienced that as a 13-year-old on chemotherapy dealing with a terminal illness. And we'll never forget the way that that person said, are you still taking medication, they asked me. And I said, yes. Well, they said, well, where is your faith? I should stop taking medication. They're telling me this, and I'm 13 years old. Um, I told my parents that, and they were very upset, to say the least. Um, 
In our text, Jesus is preparing the disciples for the overwhelming sorrow that they would experience in their next hours. As they watched him, were going to watch him be arrested, mocked, scourged, and crucified. The world was going to be crashing down on them. And he wanted to equip them with these words in our text that says, look, I'm preparing you not just for the sake of, of knowing it's going to be bad, but for the sake of knowing that what you hold on to in this time will turn your grieving into joy and it will transform this situation into something that brings glory to God and that you will find peace and joy. So there's three things that we can do like Jesus um, did on, in his journey through the suffering and, and his journey to the cross. He acknowledged what the Father had done for him. He, secondly, focused on what God was doing in him. And third, he was strengthened by what the Father was doing through him for all who would call upon his name afterwards. Those are the three things that we can hold on to and learn from in how Jesus did it. The first one, what Jesus has, um, has done in the past for us and for me, personalize it. In other words, the power of God's love. And we're to hold on to the things that, that Jesus has done for us. Jesus did go to the cross for us so that we would not be caught up into the things of the world, but the things of heaven. We're called to count our blessings. We're called to count our promises of scripture that will apply to us. When, say, when God says, I will never leave you or forsake you, Jesus told the disciples that. Did he mean it? Or was it just a nice word to say? If you would have noticed, and we won't go back and replay Doug's prayer, we'll do that to him. But if you did, you would notice that there were at least a couple of times where Doug referred to the presence. And I would tell you the same thing. If, I had, if you added up all of the hospitalizations uh, that I paid a visit to over the years, almost without fail... In fact, I can't even remember a time I would have ever prayed, ever not prayed that they would experience God's presence, his peace, and his love. Those are all in scripture. They're promises we hold on to. And that's what we hold on to is these things that are sure, these things that are throughout scripture. So when in John three sixteen it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's something to hold on to. In Isaiah 41.10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now that's something to hold on to in times of struggle and sorrow, disappointment, hurt, and suffering. We start the process by holding on to the things that we know God has said and done 
and established for us. Secondly, we focus on and we hold on to what Jesus is doing in me now. And that's the, this is a tougher one. It's easy for us to say, well, you know, uh, Jesus died for us and, and that, that's great. But we often don't realize that when we're going through difficult struggles, it does cause some shifting and shaping and transforming within us. And it will, one direction or another. Sometimes that transforming is an increase of anger, an increase of demanding of God, um, a bargaining. And I'll tell you, at 12 years old, I bargained. I remember distinctly praying, God, if there's any way that you can see fit to heal me, I will serve you the rest of my life. We, and, and I'm not saying that that bargaining is necessarily bad, but we do everything we can to get out of the situation we're in without realizing that there is some real growth happening with us internally. That there is some real change in our hearts and a call for God to... Perhaps it's simply a step of relying more on God in ways that we haven't before. Of, of trusting God. Of realizing that we aren't in control. Now that's a step of growth. There is something that's going on with us. We're to hold on to Jesus who is present with us. And we're to hold on to what we are called to do in Christ. We're, we're to hold on to not just the promises, but we're to hold on to the fact that we trust God is doing a work even in what we're going through. In verse 20 of the passage that was read, very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned to joy. So we... we don't take joy in what we're going through. We take joy in who we are becoming because of what God is teaching us in that moment. The most embarrassing moment that I had, I, I'm sure I've told this story before, but, you know, I'm old and beg forgiveness, but I remember the very, I was, I was, selected to become a mechanic with a biking organization called Outspoken. And the first trip I ever was the mechanic for. I'm riding the motorcycle. Well, the first thing I did was I ended up accidentally riding down a bank into a pl freshly plowed farmer's field right in front of a bunch of bikers that I was supposed to be a staff person for and then just kind of laid the bike over. I wasn't hurt. It was, a, like I said, fresh soil. It was deeply embarrassing. And then on top of that, somebody had their chain broke on their bike. And I'm supposed to be the mechanic. And I haven't even learned half this stuff yet. And I ended up taking the chain on the motorcycle and riding it back to the director, the head person, and, and saying, you know, I... I was trying to figure out how to do this. 
And they said, well, okay, I can show you, but you know you're going to have to go back and put it together when it's on the bike. Hello. It was deeply embarrassing. And it taught me something about how much I still had to learn. And it also taught me humility in saying, look, I'm here to grow and learn from it. And so it's, it's very difficult sometimes for us to recognize that there is this renewing that is happening in us. Um, and that is part of that renewal that is the grief turning to joy. We think sometimes that the grief turns to, to joy when the circumstances change. And that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying the promise of God coming through and changing things for the better, it's that promise that's got power to encourage you and equip you and to recognize that God is doing good things within. In Psalm 1611, it says, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. In your right hand are eternal pleasures. Look at Philippians, where Paul says in chapter 4, 6, and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's what we need to hear in sorrow and suffering. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's, it's not ours to bring peace. It's not just our great faith or whatever. It's a gift that is provided for us. That, that God will guard our hearts and our minds as we stay focused and hold on to the presence and power and strength of Jesus Christ. James chapter 1 Verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And so we hold on to the fact that God is shaping us into the likeness of Christ. Jesus is working within us all the while and thirdly what we hold on to what Jesus is doing through us what is Jesus doing through us in other words how much of an impact are we having on other people and Jesus gives this graphic example A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy. That a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again. And you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. That is just a verse that is worth repeating. No one will take away your joy no matter what the future sufferings. And, and Jesus knew this and the, and, and the disciples anticipated it. They weren't done suffering after finishing 
after Jesus was resurrected, their suffering continued. Our suffering will continue. We will have struggles with health. I know this is hard for you to imagine, but we will deal with safety issues and distancing and precautions and and something else will come along and something else will come along. And this is a broken world and it's a broken set of relationships that we deal with all the time. We know that this world, that is always going to be present until Jesus comes again and says, that's enough, we're done here. And calls his people home. And in the meantime, what is the impact that we can have on other people? What is the way in which we can deal with suffering in a way that identifies with what others are going through and that loves them and is present with them and is ministering to them, we can hold on to that even when we are suffering because we know that other people are looking at us. We know that other people care. Other people are observing. Other people are asking questions. And, and other people want to see an example of Jesus. No more than today, uh, the younger generations have difficulty believing any of the truth of, of, of so much. And, and people are always talking about how people are leaving the church in record numbers these days. They want to see Jesus practiced. They want to see the presence of Jesus. They want to see someone who actually holds to the power of the kingdom of heaven instead of the power of this world and this culture and this set of rules and laws and whatever else it is that we think is going to be our saving grace in whatever we're dealing with. And there is only one saving grace through Jesus Christ. And that's what people want to see. They want to see it practiced genuinely. They want to see community in the church. They want to see relationships. They want to see people who dare to, to proclaim Christ in the face of persecution. In the, in the face of being, being criticized constantly as being square, conservative, whatever else it is, whatever you want to call it. it it's tiring battling that constant PR campaign to minimize and to, to somehow impugn us as Christians or get us to change our story or get us to change our beliefs or get us to start approving practices and, and buying into any lifestyle you want to choose. And when you hold on to that, and buy into that. It's going to be a rough go. There is one roller coaster. Of all of them I've traveled on throughout the country. There's one older one in southern Indiana. That I think about this every time. There's one turn at the peak. At the highest point of speed. You come around and all you can see is the lake. In front of you. And then a sharp turn comes as it goes back the other way. And I've always imagined every time I go around that curve, I think about what, what if my car comes off the track? And I have this image, and I'm thinking, you know, if, if I did that, I would hope that I would have the ability to say, 
I'm going down in a blaze of glory and I would still have my hands reached in the air and going, this is an awesome ride. I tell you, people want to see it practiced. People want to see others that say, wow, you are really holding on to the right thing. And in fact, God is speaking and using us in that way. John 13, 35 says, by all By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And we need to be looking for opportunities to show others what it means to love each other. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And in Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so the purpose, focusing, even when we're going through struggles, focusing on the fact that I am going to invite others to see that God has, is working out his purpose. He's got this. He is sovereign. He's in control. He is going to take care of this one way or the other. And even if I die, Yet will I live in the same way that Jesus told his disciples that about himself. Even the things that we do not like or understand or enjoy will work for our good when God is in control of our lives. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. So when we're going through struggles... Let's put our lights on a stand. Jesus said, it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your shine bef- light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's our calling. That's the way that, that we are called to respond and deal with suffering. That's what Jesus did. He held on to the Father. He knew what had been promised. He trusted walking with the presence of the Father going to the cross. Nancy Lee DeMoss said, an evidence that our will has been broken is that we begin to thank God for that which once seemed so bitter, knowing that his will is good and that in his time and in his way, he is able to make the most bitter waters sweet. So I say today, choose joy. Choose joy. It's not just a product of everything going right. It's a spiritual right when things are going wrong. If we know the ending is our victory, we can, like Jesus, be strong in our mission through times of suffering and sorrow. Our joy is not dependent on our circumstances. Our joy is a sign of gladness of God's presence in our lives. Our joy is a peace that is claimed by the certainty that all is well. Our joy is practicing God's love, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy is holding on and trusting and depending and surrendering. Joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit, even in suffering. You can look up 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 to 8 to 
to see that, uh, particularly in verse 6. It says, you become imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. That's pretty powerful. Larry Crabb said in his book, Shattered Dreams, and as I close, just share this. He says, our shattered dreams are never random. They're always a piece in the larger puzzle, a chapter in the larger story. Pain is tragedy, but it's never only tragedy. For the Christian, it's always a necessary mile on the long journey to joy. The suffering caused by shattered dreams must not be thought of as something to relieve if we can if we can or endure if we must it's an opportunity to be embraced a chance to discover our desire for the highest blessing god wants to give us an encounter with himself friends shattered dreams letdowns pain hardships are a beautiful reminder that our greatest desire, that living water, that real life, is not about being blessed and life going well, but it's about knowing God, being in his presence, and that being enough. Hold on. Hold on for the joyous life. Hold on for the eternal life that the power of God is continuing to work in all that we go through. Let's close with a song that is a great testimony. In the midst of great loss, the author of this song uh, wrote these words in the deepest point of suffering in his life.
May the words of the song that we have just sung bring glory and praise to God, but even more empower us to be able to say there is nothing in all of this world that can take us away from the power of the love of Jesus Christ in our lives. So go forth in that promise and in that assurance. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.